Good evening, my fellow Americans. The following is the standards and practices that DX promises to adhere to. For the thousands in attendance, for the millions watching around the world, are you Generation X, you make your rules and we will break up. We wanted to come out here tonight, have some fun, embarrass a few people. Don't come out. They're just cheerleaders. Oh my God! Green slime is everywhere. Mike Tyson is the newest member of Degeneration X. Degeneration X invades WCW tonight. Boys and girls, children of all ages, Degeneration X proudly brings to you its tag team champion of the world! Race of hell, make a little noise! The ninth wonder of the world, Jaya! Oh no, there's more! Stop it! Vince's production truck! That wasn't me! The McMahon just got a manure bath! Good God! Somebody please flush that! What are we gonna do now to occupy our time? Oh my God! Degeneration ah! X are gonna leave their mark! And if you're not down with that, we got two words for you! This is the Pro Wrestling Spotlight, presented by Hami Media and the Pro Wrestling Reflection, where we discuss the very best of the best in pro wrestling history. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? The two soundest wrestlers in the World Wrestling Federation, maybe in the history of the World Wrestling Federation, are right here, right now. Mr. Perfect and the excellence of execution, the Hitman. WrestleMania weekend isn't complete without the Heartbreak Kid, and he is on his way. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. They think they got the answers. I change the question. You will rest in In Ric Flair, who you're looking at, the man.
you didn't know, Reflectionites. Your ass better call somebody. Oh yeah. What is going on there, Reflectionites? What is going there on there to the Hamenites, to the big Beatleites, to the Hustleites, to all the ice, the left, the right, the Dems, the Repubs, the Independites, all the ice, the Israelites, the Russianites, the Ukrainites. I haven't said the ice stuff in a while, so you know what? I'm, it's like riding a bike, Reflectionites. Ah, Reflectionites, that's another ice right there. But anyway, are you ready? I said, are you ready for the 12 in attendance and the 13 around the world? Let's get ready to suck it as we do the PWR podcast here at the PWS Networks, at the YouTubes, on Hameen Media Group, at the Podbeans, on the Big Beetle White uh, Patreons, it is I, your friendly neighborhood professor, Chabelle Van Cruz. I've, I don't, you already know the spiel, magnanimous, stupendous, ostentatious, but most importantly, glorious. But yet, I'm now a degenerate. Yes, because today, we are doing a pro wrestling spotlight dedicated to the 25th anniversary of D-Generation X. And before we get this show going, before we get the spotlight going, first and foremost, I'd like to say this, because I usually save it for the end, but I guess I'll, you know, let the cat out of the bag. Because I'm going to make TW work hard this whole this whole week and into next week. Since I was already, we were already going to do the pro wrestling spotlight on D-Generation X, Something happened a couple of days ago, uh, about a week ago, when this recording hits. We lost another professional wrestler in this community. He is a global icon. And this is going to be very interesting here because it is more interesting to see TW do a spotlight on a Japanese icon, on a Japanese legend. I want to know if Tommy Wonder himself will know the career span of Antonio Inoki. Yes, next week we are going to do another spotlight and we're going to focus on the career and the life of New Japan Pro Wrestling founder Antonio Inoki, politician extraordinaire Antonio Inoki. So, TW, you got a big homework. You're gonna, I'm going to give you matches. I want you to go on Wikipedia. I want you to go on all the leftist sites so you can find out who Antonio Inoki is. But anyway, neither here nor there. Let me introduce you to my partner in crime, my peace and resistance, my brother from another mother. He is the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, Mr. Dum Dum Doer, and it is own the Iron Stomach One. Tommy Wonder, how are you doing, my friend? He's looking around. He's looking for some DX stuff. I know you are. <laughs> that is true. There's a Shawn Michaels DX right in front of me. And there's a Triple H DX over there, but they're on the wall. Where they both come with DX shirts, but I'm wearing mine, so it don't matter. But uh, I dare you to think I don't know who Antonio Inoki is, who is, by the way, I'm just going to say it right now. This is a heavy, heavy thing, but, you know, the 12 people who, who listen to this might, might you know, want to know that Joe Doring had his uh, surgery, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to give away too much because it's not my business to, but... 
Um, after initially it was thought to have gone very well, there was some some follow up, but they they think that went well. Um, it's it's going to be a recovery for sure, a road. But uh, I guess some comedy in sadness, if you will, comedy tragedy. So both of them are Warrior Sting. While he was in surgery, his phone was blowing up the whole time. So you would assume. It was everyone saying best wishes, best wishes, best wishes. His wife picked it up, and every damn text he was getting was to tell him that Antonio Inoki passed away while he was having surgery. And I thought was that's a that's got to be a handful of people who didn't know he was having surgery that day, or that's a pretty odd thing to send someone who's about to go in and have surgery. So, uh, but I do know who Antonio Inoki is. It's pretty legendary. Um, mm-hmm. You don't get into the WWE Hall of Fame by being a New Japan guy. And by the way, I don't. How many times did you do WWE things? A couple, maybe late '80s, mid '80s. I mean, early. Um, well, but we'll talk about all that. WWE champion, and we'll talk about that next oh, week. Oh yeah, but that, well, that was in Japan. It don't matter. Still counts. It's also suspect. But anyway, wouldn't that end the six-year reign? But again, Not really, six-year reign. We will debate about this next week on another pro wrestling spotlight where we celebrate the life of Antonio Inoki but the show must go on and before we even say the show must go on that is tragic irony that people are blowing up Joe Doring's phone and saying Antonio Inoki died maybe they thought that his surgery was was a success and he's in recovery mode so they wanted to cheer not I don't how would you cheer somebody up with some telling somebody else is dead while you're you know battling your own or in a, in a weird i mean it's probably some japanese guys doing it too maybe it's just a respect thing like hey yeah. man just well, so he, you know. was, he is a gaijin he was in yeah. new japan yeah so. oh no i knew there was uh you know um right i don't want to say relations that sounds like you and your dm with the dudes but you know what i mean there was mm-hmm. a relationship yeah. mm-hmm. well anyway we must do the show that we were scheduled to do and that is D-Generation X Pro Wrestling Spotlight. And before we even, I give the Chronologicals Reflectionites. Before that, TW, I must ask you this, because this is a big, big debate. We could say this. But we've always talked about, like, our top tens of everything. So, again, D-Generation X is on everybody's top five. NWO is on everybody's top five. The Four Horsemen is on everybody's top five. And funny enough, Reflection Ice, this is an inside joke. I shared via the PW Hustle Facebook group fan page an erroneous list of factions. That was so it wasn't me that created this list. It was just jokingly because I noticed certain, first of all, the Four Horsemen was not on the top ten. Nation of Domination was so up it was like top three. I was like, what the fuck? But anyway, <laughs> neither here nor there reflection. Again, everything is subjective. So I guess I will give you the floor, TW, before I re- retort back. With DX itself, you don't have to say they're number one or number two, but the impact that the name DX has, the symbol, the crotch shots, what is that impact to Tommy Wonder in his fandom of wrestling? Does the Generation X not only stand the test of time, well, they've lasted for 25 years, so they're having a 25-year celebratory uh, show on Raw, so that's neat. That's a moot point. But in your humble opinion, will they stand the test of time for 50 years, 100 years for wrestling fandom? 100%. And w- one of the things I learned in this past week was 
we all know Stone Cold shirt just crushed, you know, records for shirt sales. Well, mm-hmm. I'm not sure the validity of the the validity of the claim, but the the thing that I was watching was said, you know, in the mid '90s, if you went to high school or you went to the mall or you went out and about, you were sure to see an NWO shirt, a Stone Cold shirt, a Raw is War shirt. I don't know if many people bought Nitro shirts, but I would assume some did. Um, ECW shirt, because that was a very cult, cultish yeah, thing but to Raw, do. Raw is war specifically, not just like Monday Night Raw. Raw is war. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it said the one selling the most was the DX shirt. And that took me by surprise because I will say this. In hindsight, hands down, uh, I'll mention just now, my favorite. Um, I think partially just because I think of how cool it was, I I think to me and not nearly as groundbreaking or as, you know, the longevity because it wasn't long and, you know, basically they're all dead. But one, um, is the heart foundation because it was so unique in that it got cheered in Canada and booed in the States. And it was literally a collection of all my favorite dudes coming mm-hmm. together but they all had ties to each other it wasn't just you know what i mean like even though bulldog and pillman didn't grow up in calgary and and i don't think Nightheart did either they all tie back to the hart family and and pillman by training with them but everyone else by marriage or blood so i just really really like that and and for me clearly i've always been a Shawn michaels guy still am to this day a defender, if you will, an enabler. Uh, but I was never a Triple H guy. I didn't like him at all. He's not even in my wrestling hall of fame. He's on the wall of fame. He's not in the hall of fame, but not because I'm not going to put him there. I'm going to inevitably. Um, mm-hmm. But I fought it and fought it and fought it. And and I will say this, and I think you would agree with me, most people should, the NWA, oh, NWO got really, really, really watered down. But the initial Hogan, Hall, and Nash, and X-Pac, you can't discount X-Pac. Because if you don't have that fourth guy, it's just a six-man tag. It's a trios tag team, right? So Hogan, Hall, Nash, X-Pac, you could probably, I don't know who was next to come in there. If it's Big Show, then that's when they start fucking jumping the shark. But Technically, it was like DiBiase. As a manager, which is fine, because that's your J.J. Dillon, right? Mm-hmm. So, and he fit the criteria, ex-WWE guy. Um, but but there were also good people in it. Luger being in it isn't a bad thing. Sting being in it isn't a bad thing. There being fucking 72 versions of it, Wolfpack, black and white, black, you know, so I think... But DX never warded themselves down to right, a degree right. as NWO and, did. And, and I'm, le- I'm getting something. So, the original DX, I, I would have said were was Sean and Triple H, right? Even though China mm-hmm. was there and, and Rude were there, China more than so than Rude, because he obviously he's not there long, Rude. Ends up in NWO too. So two guys have been in both. I guess technically Sean was NWO and WWE. But anyways, I actually preferred which is gonna sound weird after saying I fought the Sean and Hunter shit. Okay. Because of Hunter. Also because they blurred the lines pretty good between reality and and, and, and and fiction with Brett. And I pretty much was a Brett guy through and through. So mm-hmm. I didn't like how Brett was being portrayed in that. But little did I know, the genius that was at work here, it was to help turn him heel to do 
to me, the coolest faction ever, the Heart Foundation. Uh, now, I don't mean the tag team. I mean the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, I liked the X-Pac, Triple H, China, and R- New Age Outlaws. Because I think New Age Outlaws, it was, that's another thing that was so organic. Like, Pete, they just got stuck together. Like, in all reality, it should have bombed. And if you look at early DX stuff, they're not even wearing that gear that they wore when they really got on that DX run as the New mm-hmm. Age Outlaws. Billy's wearing, like, cheek shorts at some point. He's wearing, you know what I mean? He's he's going through different looks. So is Road Dog. But once right. they once they got a uniform, if you will, with that, um, that DX color scheme, and, I mean, what's his dick still wore? Pink every now and again, I think. Uh, what's his, uh, Billy Gunn. But that incarnation, to me, was the best until there was one with all of them. But that one didn't have the run that the, the guys, you know, with the four I just mentioned in China did. Well, it's like anything. It's like the four horsemen. I mean, they're, they're run from 85 to 88 with the iteration of Luger and Barry Window, But the core was still there, Flair, right. Anderson, and Blanchard. That was a time that can't be, you know, denied. That was a time that defines itself. Yeah. And with DX, it's funny enough that you say that because from 97, and I'm being nice here, reflection nice, so, so excuse me on the professor's timeline, but again, let's be real here. 97 to 2000-ish, maybe 2001, but it wasn't, it was more 2000-ish. That three-year run, you had an iteration of two different era groups, as TW explained it. There was HBK, Triple H, China Rude. And then the night after WrestleMania 13 became Triple H, New Age Outlaws, and X-Pac. So it's two different iterations, but the time span is so small, and the dynamic is so the dynamic is so small because of the chemistry. The dynamic is so we- not weird, but it's so unique. That's the better word. The dynamic is so unique because the first leader was undeniable HBK. The second right. leader had to prove himself if people have to understand this triple h was being a made man but he didn't earn it yet because you know you could say x-pac had he more earned it, he earned it yeah so triple h needed the you know people always say triple h is the ultimate d plus player because he's always around with the right people at the right time but we, you know that's a different show for another day but there's two different dynamics of the dx so for the reflection, I said, let's talk about it, TW, that the initial, initial DX of Shawn Michaels, Triple H. Now, before even they were on TV doing what they were doing, you know, on the cameras, in the locker rooms, on Monday Night Raws, and all that stuff, we have to remember this one thing, Reflection Nights and TW, maybe you know or maybe you didn't know. Vince McMahon was, was against putting them both together on TV because Reflectionites, remember, Triple H was still being punished for what the click did at Madison Square Garden oh. in 1996 before Hall and Nash jumped to WCW, the curtain call. So the funny thing was, again, everybody knows Vince McMahon was not going to let HBK uh, be punished for this because he knew the the obvious reason, T.W., we know why HBK wasn't punished, because HBK would have jumped to WCW to join Hall and Nash, and then we you know, we got a what if, you know this. What if uh, HBK jumped to WCW to be with Hall and Nash and to, you know, to infuse the NWO 
and really be the wolf pack that was supposed to be. But neither here nor there, that's a different show for another day. But again, we have to go back to this. Vince McMahon wanted to separate them. Vince McMahon wanted to break. He thought actually he was breaking the click away, but you can't break away a friendship, TW, right. HBK and Triple H because they traveled the roads together. You know, they trained together and all that stuff. Then you add the dynamic of China where I think it was Triple H who discovered China and then they were dating all that stuff. So what's that UTW before we even get into the first incarnation of DX, the history behind it? Because, again, Vince McMahon was, res- was hesitant to do it. But, of course, because of the, you know, as Bishop would say so eloquently, the 83-week domination, he had no choice but to put them on TV and see because they weren't called Degeneration X at first. They were Brett, just on TV the, together. So what's the generous? Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's 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 what it says to me. Okay. You just said it yourself that Triple H is considered the ultimate B player, that he puts himself with the right people, whatever. Um, dude, this is the guy who had the highest of high obstacles in his way after that curtain call. Mm-hmm. Two guys left. One guy he was afraid was going to leave, so he had to make an example out of somebody, and it's Triple H. Think of going from that moment right there. It's X-Pac that ends up in the NWO, not Triple H, when in all reality, it should have been Triple H because he should have been scapegoated and kicked out of there, which Mm -hmm. I'm not not sure how X-Pac got out. I don't know if his deal was just up to or if he got let go, but and he had nothing to do with it. But think of that. And then for all the people who cry that Triple H is only this, that, or the other thing because he was married to Vince's daughter, no. This dude went from literally probably thinking he wasn't going to have a job to getting himself back up, to getting himself in a position to even be around the boss's daughter for that to happen, to marry Mm -hmm. her, and now he's running the company to the most greatest acclaim of anyone running any company right now. He is literally getting the proverbial smoke blown up his tush every day, with the exception of Russo um, and RVD. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I think it speaks volumes about Triple H that here we are doing a show on DX where he's the only constant, right? right. Sean left, came back, left again, came back. DX split up many times, came back. He is the constant, and... It's absolutely, he's top, DX is top three. If it's Horseman, NWO, and DX, and you pick the order, any particular day it could be different depending on the, the group you're asking. But their bottom is three, and their top is number one. Okay. Well, I Actually, you know, that that is a very subjective statement that you say because, again, people will say other groups, and I'm not going to go into the debate. Oh, absolutely groups. subjective, yeah. But... It is a good point because the funny thing is, like you said, and I have to go back to the horsemen, the core is Flair, Anderson, and Blanchard. And J.J. J. Dillon. Let's not forget J.J. I'm talking about the wrestling-wise. I'm not talking about the dynamics-wise. I'm just saying what's in the ring and all that. J.J. adds another dimension. Don't get me wrong. But like you just said, Triple H is the constant. This is a very different thing than the core because Triple H – kind of held this thing that was called Degeneration X together. Even though, let's just, well, let me ask you this question before we even talk about certain things that happen on TV. 
the first incarnation with HBK. HBK is the heater. HBK is the, the face of the company. HBK is, you know, your A star. Triple H, let's be honest here, TW, 1996, he was punished for what he, what happened with the curtain call. He was supposed to be the king of the ring in 96, but that went to Austin because of the, the, the curtain call punishment. 97, they're building a little bit to, to Triple H. Well, he's still called Hunter Hearst Hemsley. So he was he did win king of the ring in 1997. He was given a mid-card feud, if you will. I remember this against Mick Foley. So, you know, anybody who wrestles Mick Foley, Mankind, Cactus Jack, whatever you want to call it, TW, you're getting they're putting trust in you because they, they have plans for you. So what just so what say you, TW, about him being the constant at a at a time in nineties in ninety seven where he's not the man. He's not even mid to me yet. He's earning those stripes to to get to that point and plateau. That's what I'm trying to say. He, absolutely. I mean, he he basically he has to build himself up enough that it even makes sense that he's with Shawn Michaels, right? Mm-hmm. Shawn is the top of the top, and and Triple H. Come on, you. We haven't even discussed this. God, you would think I was a Triple H guy my whole life, but I, I wasn't until recently. And not even. I think NXT is what won me over years ago. Not this current stuff that's even better than you know NXT because he's saving the main rosters, right? You know, in my right. he's if he turned Raw and SmackDown into NXT 2020, get out of here. It's over. I'm I'm back in full force, right? Okay. Um, but but that said, this guy came in. With what was already a shitty gimmick in WCW is a blue blood alone. He's doing the same dumb gimmick with Hunter Hearst Humsey. And I just remember thinking, what a horrible name. And this guy took that horrible name. And now you don't ever hear Helmsley or Hearst. You only hear Hunter or you hear Triple H. That's it. So he overcame that and that shitty gimmick to the point where he was still dressing like that feuding with Foley, but he's jacked up now. He's not the lanky, skinny, bodybuilder-looking guy. Like, it looked like he had a trainer. It looked like he was big from working out or playing football as a kid, but now he looks just jacked. I, I think I think he was training with Steiner's guys. <laughs> right. So he comes out, and, and, like, this guy could have easily given up along the way in WWE and went back to WCW more than once. Mm-hmm. And yet... He's running that place today. This is absolute testimony to this dude's drive, this dude's dedication, loyalty. Come on. like Think of all the stuff that happened after NXT a year ago. This dude's still there. If he would have left and showed up on AEW, no one would have been surprised because of how he was being treated and everyone was being let go that that were his guys. You know no what I mean? one would have been upset either. They actually would have been like, thank God. Right. Now you could do what you could do. So I, I get you what you're saying here. So let's talk about a TW in 1997 television-wise. HBK, well, in the beginning, he lost his smile in 1997, so we have to at least acknowledge that. Then he, he didn't want to do the job to Bret Hart, so that's why Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin – did what they did at WrestleMania 13, which was a five-star classic, and Reflectionites, the match of the century, the match that's timeless and all that stuff. So, well, we I almost lost you, TW, but I see you right now. I see the glasses. <laughs> Don't worry, TW. As long as I can hear you, it's okay. That's all that matters. Again? 
Hey, you froze, but don't worry. I can hear you. That's it. Just keep saying me, 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 me. That's it. Can you say me, 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 me? me, me. me. That's all that me, matters. Me, me. Okay. So you hear me right now. So HBK lost a smile, didn't want to do the job to Bret Hart, TW. And then, you know, he had his little back and forth with uh, Bret Hart on TV on Monday Night Raw. While Triple H, again, was doing his thing, introducing China because he had, he had a program with Goldust and Marlena and all, all that stuff, and then a program with Mankind. So they didn't mesh. Triple H and Shawn Michaels didn't mesh together until about late August, early September of 1997. So you had a whole calendar year in 1997, TW, where they didn't really acknowledge each other until then. That's almost, almost the end of the year. So, you know, they were doing their own thing. And then I think it was because... I believe it was Shawn Michaels who had a had a match with against Mick Foley. Yep. Triple H came in, interfered on behalf, you know, interfered because he hated Mick Foley. He really supposedly, t- wink, wink, was not helping HBK. But of course, you could see the little nuances. You could see the winks. You could see how they're, you know, they pull, the, you know, what's that pulling the fourth wall or whatever right. the case may be. So they, the they actually, they're pulling the curtain back. And I know T.W., Vince McMahon is furious. But again, Vince McMahon technically has no choice because it's a ratings battle with Eric Bischoff. It's a ratings battle against the NWO. So let's say, T.W., about how organic this was because unless you was a Meltzer, you know, reader, unless you was an ECW hotline person, unless you really was hardcore to the bone, Reflectionites, you did not know this connection, you know, per se, unless you knew about the curtain call because they really they talk they didn't want to talk about the curtain call TW until the ratings became an issue. So what say you TW? I mean, it's, it's, it's desperation, desperate times call for desperate measures, and then and then, you know, you were about to talk about it earlier when you said that Vince didn't want to put them together at all, right? Mm-hmm. He's keeping them separated. And then when they did get together after the, the Mick Foley stuff and the Brett stuff and all this other stuff going on, it was beginning it was getting over so much it was like there was no choice. And this is something I didn't even know. I remember Brett calling him a bunch of degenerates, and that's when they started calling him. They didn't have a name in the beginning. They they made it degenerate degenerate degeneration X after the Brett promo. Um but the 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 spot, and I don't know if you just mentioned this, the spot where they came out on TV, Sean's wearing those little bike shorts. And I think this is one of those things that also made me like, eh, when he would come out where he's damn near naked with those, uh, those mm-hmm. cheeks, you know, biker shorts, they came out with socks in them. And that was the moment where Vince went, you know what? This is the direction we got to go. So a lot of credit goes to Austin for snapping the 83 game, game, 83 week streak. But really, it was DX doing what they were doing that changed the tune of the product to let Austin then do what he did. He just took the ball like a baton and ran with it. But DX is who inevitably, against what Vince really wanted to do, they made it it, no choice for him to do it. And then it changed history for the business. I I think... This is my hindsight, and this is also my opinion. Maybe if you agree or disagree, I have a different take. I think Vince McMahon, because like you said, desperate times call for desperate measures. But he had a he had a limit. 
I think he wanted to allow only Austin to get away with the, you know, cussing the bird and right. doing and cussing all that stuff. I think because Shawn Michaels and Triple H said back then what we were doing in the locker room, the boys loved it. It was right. it was you know they were laughing and all that stuff, and, and they, they kept saying, Vince, we need to bring this out, you know, into the masses. We need to bring right. this out to the audience because we know that they will love it too. So it took them egging it on. But I think Vince, to me, only allowed one person to do it because I think he knew he could kind of control it a little bit. He can t- he can kind of like do a tunnel vision where Austin 316 was going to go. DX was so organic and so like, you know, you didn't know where DX was going because like you I said. Would say Austin was organic too because I mean that. Eh. No, no, no. I mean, no, what I'm saying is organic in the sense that he can control the direction and the trajectory of where right, 360 right, was right. going. But he wasn't going to allow he another wrestler. Or, he let it flow, let it breathe. Right. He let it flow and let it breathe. He did. I don't think to me, TW, maybe, I'm, and I'm trying to think about it. Like, when you watch Raw in 97, right? 96, mm-hmm. 97. The, uh, except for Austin, because you knew he was going to be your money train because of the Austin 316. Like you said, Austin 316, everybody was wearing that. If it wasn't NWO, it was Austin 316 shirts. He was not going to allow another wrestler to, I don't want to say get to that level, but just get away with a lot of shit because right. already you're 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 actually gambling with standards and practices. You're right. gambling with the FCC. You're right. gambling with USA Network because again, we can talk about this TW USA Network. You know, sent a letter. Supposedly, this is I think Vince Russo said this. I don't I forget who told the story. They sent a letter to uh, Vince McMahon and WWE offices saying that they were you know reminding them. Like the George Carlin seven deadly words. Right. What did they do? DX took it and then put it as one of the most infamous and timeless promos where Shawn Michaels is the president, Triple H is the vice president, China is like, you know, the head of security, and he's actually doing, you know, what you shouldn't should and should not say on TV, and he and they made it gold. It was a gamble, TW. So what say you about that? Because again, Austin probably would would get away with that because Vince said maybe one's enough. I can't do two. I can't do three. What's eight? I did not sleep with that intern. We were up all night long. That's the thing you're referring to, right? So mm-hmm. here's the difference I think in the two. I I, I absolutely 100 agree with you, and it was actually shocking to me to find out Vince was hesitant to do all that because. If you listen to the internet, Vince is a degenerate himself, and he's crude, blue, and tattooed. So you would think it was his idea all along, and he was jerking off behind the scenes to all the stuff they were doing on there. But no, he was still worried about that sponsorship and that TV and all that. Um, but I think the difference between Austin and DX is Austin came off as a badass. They came off as juvenile delinquents, right? Mm-hmm. Austin came off as someone who's going to whoop your ass. DX came off as someone who was going to get their ass whooped. You know, two different two different things. So, but because of those four, well, China and, and I think Rude talk sometimes. But well, let's when be, I think let's those be, four, let's be, let's be clear with this reflection, because again, the Rick Rude thing, he is the original member of the Generation XTW, but first and foremost, he was the insurance policy right. for Shawn Michaels. So you know, he was, he was there Diesel. Over the it was the new Diesel. Yeah, but he couldn't do anything physical, so that's right. why he went back and forth between WWE and ECW doing what he was doing. So, again, 
Whether you want to call him a member of DX, you know, that's debatable for another show. I say he is. But again, some people might not even, you know, being the insurance policy does not technically make right. you a member of a faction. And that's why I said four, China, mm-hmm. Sean, and, and Hunter, and Austin. Between right. those four, everyone else got to do. And we wouldn't have, which which is obviously toned, I don't know, it's, it's, it's debatable whether it's toned down. But we mm-hmm. wouldn't have the Edge and Lita sex on TV if we didn't have DX first, right? Oh, and, like the strip poker thing. Or yeah, or that, you know, all that stuff yeah. was because of DX and DX was Austin was pressing the envelope, pushing the envelope of language and the bird. And they still blurred out his fingers when he did that most of the time on TV, just not on pay-per-view. Um, but they let him say ass, but he never said shit, you know, stuff like that. But DX, they just they they were knocking doors down, man, and, and Austin too. But they were different doors. They were mm-hmm. they were badass doors and and degenerates. I mean, that's the only that's the best. That, there's not a better name for them than degenerates. For that's what Red Heart uh, bequeathed them, that, that bestowed yeah, that name on not, them, and then not, they ran with it. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, it was just just like you know, a lot of people said that Hulk Hogan accidentally called them the New World Order of Professional Wrestling. Like, mm-hmm. that's what their name ended up being by accident, you know, and it's because it organic. We go back to that word. You say some, you know, like, the, the, what do you call it? Your uh, Mandela effect. Mm-hmm. Most people think the night after Austin's King of the Ring tournament is the night where Raw was full of 316 fans. But it was actually a couple weeks later um, after it. It wasn't immediately the next night. Now, had that been WrestleMania with the international crowd? For certain, the next night would have been full of 316 signs because that's what that crowd does, that, and throw beach balls around. Well, but, def- uh, definitely the night after WrestleMania 13 against Bret right. Hart, you right. knew that Austin 316 was made with the main which man. Is, which is 10 months after he uttered Austin 316 mm-hmm. says, I just right. whooped your ass. I, I, get, I get what you say. Um, so, but, but all these things right. were organic. Bret named them. Uh, Hogan accidentally named them. And Austin 316, he didn't plan on selling Austin 316 shirts. He said at one time in response to Jake being a Bible thumper. It had nothing to do with Austin and more like rubbing it in Jake's face that he just beat you. Your Bible didn't help you. Blah, 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 blah. So it, some of the it's like, it's like Arnett. Well, let me just say it. It's like Arnett is a set. When a booker or promoters is not book is not booking the wrestler is not planning it right. and lets the wrestler have it flow and be organic, then it's more mo- it's it's money. It's real. It's real. That's and where the fans gravitate. It's real to them. So go ahead, TW. I, I just had this conversation with with one of my buddies, the Shell family. I told the story on here, Elvis Elliott. Um, he wasn't there, but I got to see his two brothers, Doug and and Gary, uh, the Shell, you know, brothers. Doug, Dan, and Dave, or Gary, they're awesome human beings. I spent, you know, a lot of the night talking with Gary, and uh, he he brought up my frog splash. Him and him and his brother Doug. Doug's been wrestling for thirty years, and Doug and Elvis have always told me when they were still fans, and I wrestled in Toledo, or if I wrestled down river, and they came up from Toledo, their favorite wrestlers were Los Rudos, right? Like I couldn't do that to Hulk Hogan in a locker room. He'd be like, "Okay, brother," and he'd walk out of the room, right? But those guys end up wrestling with me on the indies, doing all that. And Elvis went on to way more success than I ever had. 
Um, but for those guys, they've never not said, oh, man, we, we love Los Rudos. So I've always taken it as a special thing. But but one of the things that Gary and Doug brought up to me Saturday was my frog splash. And I promise you, in the 1994, I probably did that frog splash for the first time in July of 94, in the almost 30 years since, the thing that has brought up to me the most when I get to see people I haven't seen in a while or a fan is the frog splash. Do you know frog how that frog splash happened? You, uh, you know, you adapted. No, it was no. off the cuff. Me and Rico were wrestling each other halfway through our 11 matches in a row. Our first 11 matches of our career were against each other before we became a tag team. And the frog splash was uh was it was against Rico and it was not as Calavera but as Tommy Wonder and I think I call it the Wonder Wallop after I started doing it but then it became the the Calavera Crush and uh people that's what people call it, the Calavera Crunch that's what I called it so anyways we wrestled 15 minutes and I just read this about Jericho and Lance Storm they did a 15 minute bra uh Broadway that's a draw and the same thing happened to them. They ran out of moves to do, so they just did other moves over again that they already did earlier on in the night. But it's his first match. You, you, what are you going to do? You don't do that twice, by the way, because you'll get pulled aside going, hey, man, you guys can do a double DQ if you run out of moves. You're not going to start having the same last five minutes that you had in the first five. So anyway, long story short, Rico and I were doing our thing, and the match wasn't over yet, and I went to the top rope again, and I had nothing. I was up at the top rope, and I'm like, I've already did the fist drop like Jerry Lawler, you know, off the top rope. I've already mm-hmm. done the elbow drop off the top rope. I've already done the flying elbow off the top rope where Rico's standing and I hit him. And he's laying on the mat and he's laying like this. And I'm standing here. I don't know if you can see that, but he's laying in a straight line. Like his feet are pointing at the corner I'm at and his mm-hmm. head is at the opposite corner. I looked around the crowd and I went, here's the art bar. And I did a frog splash and I turned in the air. So I went straight up and then turned. That place went bananas. And then Chris Carter in the back goes, hey, kid, how long have you been doing that uh, frog splash? I go, tonight. Tonight was the first time I ever did it. And he goes, yeah, well, you do it every night from now on. And I did. And it happened by accident. And it's to this day the thing that is asked that I'm t- talked to about the most is that frog splash. Sometimes legacies happen by accident. Reflect right. right. Absolutely. It is. So with the degenerate, the degenerates that Bret Hart called them. Let's talk about the antics, T.W., because, again, you know, Reflection Nights, every show is going to talk about certain, main, you know, matches that made it famous. I mean, we could talk about Bret Hart and HBK Survivor Series, but we already did that. We did that in a rivalries edition of the PWR podcast, so we don't need to talk about that again. But let's talk about the antics on TV because, again, we talked about the strip poker thing. We talk about the promo, the, the, the standards and practices of promos. But also, there was a straight man kind of thing where they bounced off of somebody. And you needed an authority figure. So, do you remember TW, Commissioner Sergeant Slaughter? Come on. That's another, another DX promo that's legendary. Do you? Re- that's what I'm, I was going with. So, what say you, TW? Because... What, what did you think of the dynamic with Sergeant Slaughter, uh, you know, a take-no kind of – he doesn't take no bullshit from nobody, but he looked weird as the commissioner going up 
against these degenerates. He, he can make the matches and all that stuff, TW. So what say you about the how Sergeant Slaughter and Degeneration X bounced off of each other every Monday night on Raw? I, I'll be honest, and I remember this distinctively. I hated him as the authority figure. For one, he wore that horrible brown jacket with like an ugly-ass stained white T-shirt underneath it, pants that didn't fit right. He didn't look like he gave a shit about how he looked, right? Contrast, Shawn Michaels is commissioner. There's an action figure of that. He's in the brown suit, has the briefcase, the cowboy hat. He looks like mm -hmm. he takes the job serious. So I didn't like that about Sergeant Slaughter. I also didn't like his Louis C.K. hair because he always had the horseshoe. So he always ended up, even though he was a big man, he always ended up looking like an old man. So here's how I always felt when DX were picking on him. I hated it because it looked like they were just embarrassing this guy. And then he just stood there and took it because his spiel is, I'm a badass. Well, it ought, it's obviously not working because they're right in front of your face talking shit. And really all they fear is your power, not you. And the whole point was he's supposed to be feared as a man because he's a G.I. Joe. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the whole aspect of him coming out there, you know, like, what's his name? Crash Holly would have been scared of him because he's twice his size. But DX offered absolutely no fear to him other than don't suspend us don't suspend us right and then one of the things he made him do when sean after the screw job and he's both world champion and european champion that's often forgot about in history that this guy was a double champion like the warrior mm -hmm. um he made them fight each other and i don't remember if they did the finger poke of doom but it would have been similar because he basically just actually you're right it was the finger poke of doom for the european title yeah yep. actually it was before before no, no, you're right. It was after, it was after, but it was the figure poker do. Yep. So let's talk about that for a second, TW, because again, people are, are have vitriol for Eric Bischoff. People have vitriol for Hulk Hogan. People have vitriol for Kevin Nash for the finger poker do. Right. But the funny thing is, that was a main event on Nitro in 1999. Right. People wanted to see the match, right. and they felt cheated. Conveniently. This finger poker doom reflection nights, 1997. This wasn't the main event. It was in the middle of the show. It it it, it had, let's say, it was nine o'clock. Tw. You know, right. if it was started at eight, it was nine o'clock. So it's a very like important time because you're starting the hour. You want to get the you know all the viewers to you. They made a mockery of what Sergeant Slaughter did right. with it. Right. And I'm and the 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 one reaction that the professor had Tw. I laughed. Right. I thought it was so ridiculous. It was so funny at the same time. And that yes, was just they were breaking. Let me just wait. Hold your thought. They were breaking all the traditions. They were they were breaking all the stuff. Again, they were they were peeling the the, the curtain back so much that they were making fun of something that maybe was planned by Vince McMahon. That was planned by Jim Cornette or Vince Russo, whatever the case may be. Maybe Vince Russo even said, "No, we're going to do it this way." Kudos to Vince Russo. That was great booking. But again, as a fan, watching like ECW matches, you know, people getting bloodied and fighting for 20 minutes. People are like the cruiserweights on Nitro fighting for 20 minutes like Rey Mysterio and Dean Malenko. You get this, it lasted for like a minute. Triple H was funny going back and forth with the ropes. Finally did the ridiculous cover. And of course, all that stuff. It's history, TW. Yeah. But it's something that we laugh at. What say you, TW? I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to lose my thought. But there. that was their shtick, is that they were. But they could get away with that more than the NWO could get away with that. 
F you, I won't do what you told me, right? They're not going to beat mm-hmm. each other up here. But this is something, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. I learned it today. When he did that, he also said, eh, I never really wanted this belt anyway, which was a shot at the Bulldog. Because by then, Bulldog's gone, Rude's gone, Brett's gone. The only one really left is Owen because uh, Nightheart's gone. Actually, how they did Nightheart was even worse. They spray-painted WCW on his back, and then a week later, he's on WCW. Like It's almost like, wow, Like they clean house of the Hart Foundation. But um, bef- before, go back to that October, that British pay-per-view or whatever, where Sean beat Bulldog. Mm-hmm. Bulldog was told he was winning, so in his promo, he dedicated the win to his younger sister, who was fighting cancer, and at the last minute, Sean got it changed, and Sean won. And that's that's where the heat started with Brett and Bulldog, and Sean was like, dude, he dedicated to his sister who was fighting cancer, and then lost. You know, in England, I believe it was. It was a broken top turnbuckle. It, was, it wasn't a clean win, but then he does that as a parting shot. And then I don't remember this at all until watching it in this thing I watched the week after Rude, which was Rude's last night was the night after Survivor Series. And then the, that's, I think he was on Nitro and, no, he couldn't yeah, it have been. Was a ta- it was a tape raw and the live Nitro. That's why he was the infamous uh, same time. How the hell did they tape raw the night after Russell, or the Screw The night after Survivor Series was live. Yep. The next week was taped. They take the they take the second episode after that live uh, raw that week. Yeah. All right. So anyhow, Harvey Whippleman come out to Rick Rude's music, and Sean turned to him and said, "Well, that was a hard spot to fill," and then pushed him down, and he never came out again. So it was a shot at Rude. Mm-hmm. Then you spray paint Nightheart with WCW, and then you do what you did with the Bulldogs belt, and it's almost like I think all that stuff back then made me like wow like like i didn't like it it was very disrespectful but in hindsight was necessary because at that point you know i say it all the time you'll never see burger king in a mcdonald's commercial because mcdonald's is already number one they don't need to tell you there's a number two right at this point wcw's whooping their ass so they have to acknowledge wcw whooping their ass and they have to go over the top and do more like they did their NWO thing, but wrote WCW and said, be gone. So now he's damaged goods when he comes to WCW because he just got beat and come out on there with that. And then Rude, who's on both shows, is getting mocked with Harvey Whippleman coming out, acting like he's him, like, this is all you were, really. So who cares if you're gone? So mm-hmm. all that stuff, they were evil necessities, man. And I'll bet you some of them, those guys felt. Like, uh, you know, we're going to have heat with these guys for the rest of our lives if we do this. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure it. from 97 to 2000, there was heat with each other. But then as time uh, goes on, wisdom follows. Yeah, you know, cooler heads prevail. And, you know, they can, you know, forgive each other again. But some people, pro- you know, died. So you couldn't mend those fences. So you, you never know. But TW, let's kind of fast forward a little bit here because we're talking about you know, the little nuances there. But now let's talk about 1998 because that's a very prevalent uh, time for Degeneration X. Triple H, in the beginning of 1998, is feuding, I think because of the European title, he has it, the Blackheart, Owen Hart. So that, that was the big push for Owen Hart. I don't know if it was, you know, 
this was like Vince McMahon trying to say, please stay. You're going to be in a, in a very big program, and I'm going to pay you. So, you know, that's, again, that's debatable. But then on the other side, we got Stone Cold Steve Austin. We got Shawn Michaels. We know they're going to WrestleMania. So how do you make this bigger? And Vince McMahon gambles again because now he has his aces. You have to admit this. Steve Austin's an ace. HBK's an ace for Vince McMahon to draw this money. So they need eyes on this product. And what does Vince McMahon do? Offers $5 million to Iron Mike Tyson. Wow. I ain't lying on this, TW. And that $5 billion is chump change because, because of his appearances on the Royal Rumble, because of his appearances on Raw, Raw is War, and, of course, what he did at WrestleMania 13 between Shawn Michaels and, and, and uh, Steve Austin, I think $5 million was – Mike Tyson got cheated. <laughs> he, right. should have, he should have asked for $50 million. But what's the ATW? Because, what's, you know, to add that element, you got a degenerate, you got a man flipping the bird, and you got a man who bit Evander Holyfield. So you got three, you know, you know, you got three entities that is not like wholesome. You got three, three entities you got that three are hated peacocks. by the masses. So yeah, what, you got, what's the ATW? You got three peacocks, man. You got to let them fly. You got to let them do their thing. And mm -hmm. Austin did awesome with Tyson, and Tyson was awesome back. Like I would say, Tyson's play there was was even more impressive to me than, than Lawrence Taylor's, which is kind of unfair to Lawrence Taylor because he wrestled a match, right? But the pull apart with Austin and Tyson, the punch to Sean, uh, to and don't join. forget the, uh, the, you know, goading everybody thinking that he was in degeneration right. X because Sean Michaels right. pulled and then the punched shirt off. and ripped his shirt and had the Austin 316 shirt underneath mm -hmm. it. Like he, he kept a straight face and pulled the wall. Like he did everything. Wait, 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 wait. T.W., hold your thought for a second. Let me ask you this question. Is Mike Tyson an original member of DX because he had the shirt? Let's say you. If, if Brood isn't, he isn't. And that's Sean's okay. last stand. And that's Sean's last stand. So, eh, he, I mean, he's an honorary member. How's that? He ain't no damn original. I'm just, I'm just saying, I just wanted to put that out there because Reflectionites, again, it's if Brood, Brood, so he automatically Brood is to me an insurance policy, so I don't call him that, but people say he's a member. But Tyson had the shirt. Tyson right. had the shirt. So he has to be a member. I don't know. I'm just saying. But go ahead. DDP had the shirt, too, before hitting them diamond cutters in Scott Hall and uh, ripping it off. So mm. you know, there you go. There's, there's imposters. But he was an honorary member. But he can't, he can't be an original because he re, he would have replaced Rude. That automatically makes him not original. Mm -hmm. He's a insurance policy, and they paid the wrong guy because he didn't do it. So... <laughs> But he just, everything about it was perfect. And then you hear the stories about how, you know, Sean hadn't wrestled since the casket match where he got hurt against Undertaker by landing on the casket wrong. Um, and they said the Undertaker was behind Gorilla in case Sean didn't, you know, do the job the way Brett mm -hmm. wasn't going to do it. So I, I, I would have loved to see how that shit worked out because how do you, what's he going to do, beat him up for real and then carry his body back to the ring and let Austin pin him, that's going to make Austin look like a punk, right? Like, right. that ain't going to make him. But Sean has said in a million interviews, Undertaker, not only was he not there at Gorilla, he didn't even see him that day at all. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, folklore or whatever. It's not real. Um, but the presence, just knowing the presence of Undertaker, no matter where he was, whether it was in the locker room, in the Gorilla, 
Shawn Michaels knew he couldn't like escape that. So it is right. what it is. Shawn did the right thing, and then and he went home and he got better and came back and he needed to leave again because he needed to get better from the drugs. You know, because yeah. he was he was it, a man. And where he is today is, is is leaps and bounds, and you know he say what you will about people find God, but uh, it's working out for him. I never make fun of born again Christians. You know, it, it, whatever it takes for you to live on this earth and find uh, purpose, peace. I say, and peace. God bless you. Go for it. So, with that being said, TW, now we have to talk about the iteration of the next dynamic of degeneration. Well. Before we talk about the next iteration, we have to at least say one thing because I, I don't want to forget this. Like during that 97, 98-ish thing, Triple H and Shawn Michaels was doing their thing, but they did notice a tag team, a tag team on the rise because there was a couple of bras that we have to at least acknowledge what could have. This is another what if. What if Road Dog Jesse James and Bass Billy Gunn was anointed into Degeneration X in 1997 after New Age Outlaws, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels eviscerated the Legion of Doom, the Road Wars, on a Monday Night Raw episode, TW. So would have been a major uh, coup for you, or would have been a major pop if they all were there at that time, or was it the right time to be at the second incarnation of DX with Triple H leading the helm? What say you? I think it had to happen the way it happened because if they were already there and Sean left, it would have felt like they lost something. When when they joined the night after Sean left, it felt mm-hmm. like they grew. It didn't okay. feel like they subtracted, right? So because you've added like like you just said, Rick Ruse an insurance policy is not a member. China did wrestle, but not that much yet, you know, mm-hmm. because she's too big to wrestle the girls and people were afraid to let her wrestle men. Um, until they finally did, but um, so you have Sean and Triple H as the wrestlers. Now you have Sean, X Pac, Billy, and whatever, and you have the perfect mix. You have a guy who isn't yet gunning for the world title, but will be a guy who could gun for the Intercontinental title, and then the tag team guys. So you, right. we all love when a faction has all the belts. You know, it's. Would I love Ultimate Undisputed Era any less if they didn't have the run they had? Probably not, but mm-hmm. we'll never know because they had a damn good dominant era where every one of them had a belt. That's awesome. Right now, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say the bloodline were growing on me. It's hard to not like them when you see them all up there holding belts. And, you know, it's just, you, you know, and it's there's something to be said. Like, they're they're really testing the waters, not only with the world title, but with the world tag team titles, because they unified them with these long reigns where, you know, I don't know if we talked about this, but, and I know I'm going to modern day, but it, it goes along with, you know, how the stuff happened. Cause inevitably, we always do this reflection. We always blur the past with the present. Do you understand? And, and for me to say this about a guy that, you know, I am not a fan of, but I'm, I'd be lying if Sammy I didn't Zane, say, I know Sammy Zane, go ahead. Do you understand the freaking pop that would come from whatever building it happened in if Sami Zayn ended Roman Reigns' world title reign? It would be insane. It would be bigger than Daniel Bryan because it's a guy who has no business winning the world title, let alone ending the streak 
that's the longest modern streak in wrestling history and two unified belts, not just one. He would like what Daniel Bryan did in the same night by beating Batista and Triple H. Didn't didn't Benoit beat Sean and Triple H? Or was Benoit Batista and Triple H? No, it was a triple threat where but Benoit made a triple H tap. He didn't do anything with Shawn Michaels. But but it was those three. Yeah. So Benoit doing that, that's a big moment because it's no one expects him to be the one of those three to win. Mm-hmm. For Benoit or Daniel Bryan, he has to beat Triple H just to get the shot at Batista. He does, and then wrestles two men in one night. Jericho beating Austin and The Rock in the same night. These are all things. Them doing that is what, I mean, we talked, the rocket strapped to their back, right? Like, if they would have done it any other way without beating incredible odds, it wouldn't be as talked about. Sami Zayn. And it's looking like it's going to end up being Sammy and Kevin Owens are going to un, un, you know, ups, upset the Usos. That's how it's going to play out. But I'm telling you, man, if Sammy Zayn was the guy to beat Roman Reigns for that belt, it would be epic. And mm-hmm. so uh, I don't know what the hell made me think of that. Oh, I was talking about how they all had belts. And so with DX, I don't know if they ever did get to this point. The Hunter was well, let's just say maybe uh, I'll answer that question in maybe 2000 ish. I think at the time Hunter was the WWE champion. Of course, the Outlaws was the tag team champions, and maybe X Pac was the European champion or light heavyweight. No, European. European. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, but that, that's that's just that, that's the dominance you're talking about that's, with everybody with that belt. in the beginning. That is what made the Four Horsemen so revered because it's easy to hate them but when you hate them but three out of four of them are sitting there with belts you're like Mm -hmm. they back it up you know what i mean so that i think helps make the faction better and i don't remember did bulldog and owen had the tag belts when brett had the world title when the heart foundation was their thing no they didn't so they never it was it was brett Brett with the heavyweight title bulldog with the european title and Owen with the Intercontinental title. Oh, Owen did have the IC title. Okay. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Neidhart and Pillman were the odd ones out. Yes. Okay. So, I guess you're saying the Outlaws was... Actually, you answer, answered this question better than I actually anticipated. The Outlaws being anointed into the into DX, they were honorary, you could say. They were honorary Usas in 97, but they, wanted, they, they said they wanted to do their own thing. Right. We'll holler at you when we need you or when you need us. Sure. But but we don't we're gonna do our own thing. But the night after WrestleMania, it made all the sense in the world when you brought back X Pac. And it made all the sense in the world when the outlaws finally answered the call that Triple H needed them and then it was a bigger effing deal. And now you got four guys, horsemen like, that were ready to take over the world. Now, T.W., with this iteration, again, Triple H is not a made man. He's getting there. X-Pac has a reputation. He's He's been in the NWO, and he's been with DX. So now there's that kind of like twisted connection between the NWO and the and DX because they're all, you know, they're all aligned. You got the Wolfpack, and you got DX. There is some kind of iteration with each other. The Man- You could call it a Mandela effect, but actually there is a connection. There's a six degrees of separation, but neither here nor there. But 
we got to at least talk about one of the most infamous things. Now, before we even talk about the infamous uh, promo, well, not promo, but vignette of them invading WCW Nitro, because, again, that's a very telling point in professional wrestling history. But, as you said, with Shawn Michaels and Triple H, the crotch shots, uh, all the stuff they did, you know, the, the promo, the, the, the standards and practices promo, pushing the boundaries. That was being degenerates. But for some strange reason, this iteration of DX was more comical. Do you get that? Do you understand where I'm going with? That still, juvenile. still juvenile, though. It was still juvenile, but yet the fans gravitated towards it. It was juvenile, but yet it was more funny because they, I remember them doing vignettes of being in Times Square and getting people just to do crotch shots. They got like Indian deli owners to do crotch shots behind the counter. It, you know, it was, it was so ridiculous, but yet it was so funny. But yet to me with Hunter and Sean doing what they were doing, it was juvenile, but yet it was like, Oh boy. Crude. It was crude. It was cr there you go. It was crude. But here was comical. What say you, TW, about the difference or the nuances of doing the same shit? It evolves because, like, like you know what? This is going to be a weird comparison, but I, I, I bring this up a lot over the years with a lot of things. Two Live Crew and Steel Panther, right? Mm -hmm. They're hilarious when you listen to them for the first time. But it's not something you're going to keep listening to over and over again because you can only giggle at the F word so many times, right? can only giggle about the p word so many times so when they when they branched off they're still doing you know juvenile things they're just not crude and and you still can have your family watch it but every now and again you got to close your kids eyes because there's going to be boobs you know so mm -hmm. but but the, the audience at that time was kids getting out of high school going into college who wanted to watch porkies or American Pie or something like that, you, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what you end up getting, and it worked, man. It just resonated with people. And, and again, it's funny because I know what you're about to bring up, and I just found out today also that Kevin Nash and Eric Bischoff both said they regretted not letting them in the building. And I thought, wow, Ray, if there's ever a what-if to do, it's what if DX got in that building. Because uh, again, we got show, we got we got ammunition for the what if show. It just it writes itself, but we could kind of give a hyperbole on that. So, with all the comedy vignettes they did, this was the most I don't want to call it the most serious comical thing they did because it looked kind of funny. They were in their fatigues, they were in the war pain and all that stuff, and you know, coincidentally, they were about fifty. Was it like 30 miles between each other? So give or take. But they yeah. were close enough that they could drive. They were 30 minutes. Well, they were 30 minutes. Right, give me, yeah. I, my apologies, Reflection Eyes. They were 30 minutes from the arenas between each other. So it was coincidental. So Bruce Pritchard. Stayed at the same H, hotel. Yeah. And no, Triple H and Vince Russo. Well, either way, they concocted this idea to invade you know, like you said, TW, you don't, you know, acknowledge your number one. But at the point, you know, it's no, no, funny no. because. You don't acknowledge number two. You have to acknowledge number one. Well, again, in 1998, TW, let, let's, be on, let's be honest here, TW. And I'm going to say this. And I'm being the most objective man that I ever see. What is. In 1998, no matter about the ratings, forget about the rating part. 1998, 
WCW and WWE, whether it was WCW this way or WWE this way, they were so close. Both right. of them could be one and one A. So right. you had to do this stuff until about Halloween Havoc where they went dark. And that's when Nitro and all that stuff started going down the toilet. But to me, by that that the time of doing what they were doing, it was like this. It was so it was like they were punching each other. It was like Mike Tyson against Holyfield before the bite. One was hitting, the other one, you know, retracted back. So that's the way I look at it. You know what the bite was? What? The kiss of death. The bite. Right. Was telling telling everybody Mick Foley was winning the world title on a tape raw. So uh, that too. That was well, number hey. one. Telling people what number two was doing, and they mm -hmm. were number one no more after that. Th that was a, that was acknowledging it. So that's what I'm trying to say. But yeah. at the point where DX did what they did to invade Nitro, TW, you have to say it was like this. We have, you know, I'm not saying who was number one. Uh, let's just say WWE was like this, but WCW was not that far behind. So right. you had to. There was ebbs and flows of moments, TW, if you will, that you know. WWE was going like a little bit here, and then WCW would catch up a little bit. So let let I'm just trying to be fair here, as yeah. objective as I am. So let's say you TW, you know, when I saw it, TW, I was like, damn, this is good. This is right. good television. This is entertaining. And of course, whether it was real or not, remember um, the little interviews that Hunter and X Pac did with the fans outside of the Nitro Building, and one of those guys said, "I got my tickets for free." Right. That right there, that was like, that's like a rap, that's like a rap beef. That was a line that WCW could never recover from. In my humble opinion, when you say, you got it for free, you ain't making money. You're giving away your tickets. At least which, WWE. Which is funny, because that's probably why today, it, all it takes is about 0.2 seconds when mm -hmm. WWE announces there's a sellout somewhere, some AEW fan goes, no, it's not. They gave tickets away. They didn't. They were. They only sold this many. Dave Meltzer told me, the other mm -hmm. ten thousand out of fifty thousand is is free. And right. it's like, so. okay, okay, we'll just ignore the forty thousand that paid. Nonetheless, it's still fifty thousand people there. Keep it going. Go ahead. No, what's the that, That's about? probably the the birthplace of this whole papering tickets. Actually, people still today say that WrestleMania wasn't 93,000 people that that but the record isn't 93,000 tickets sold it's 93,000 in attendance and whether or mm -hmm. not they were there for free or got a cheap ticket for $25 like I did to sit in the nosebleeds they were there mm -hmm. there was still 93,000 people there whether you're counting staff and the wrestlers in that count at all that's how many people were in attendance at the Pontiac Silverdome, which is coincidentally now an Amazon building, which I believe Amazon has officially taken over the world. Cool. I, no. I need a job. I, I, they got good benefits. Yeah. Always work for the ones that's going to take over the world, but neither here did it. But what say ETW about that promo and vignette, you know, interviewing the fans and, of course, the fans taking pot shots at WCW with the ticket thing because that is – Television goal. What say you? Um, it, it is, and I just remember thinking they're not really doing this, and it, it was groundbreaking. You know, like no one's ever done that. You might have had Canyon run through the crowd a couple years after that, but that's mm -hmm. about as close as you got. Or guys sitting with signs or something. But this is like, wow, are they really doing this? And I will say this: a couple of the fans they talked to when they're sitting in that tank were like giddy. 
And you could tell they were there for WCW and thought, wow. And I don't want to blow the episode if we did do what if. But I'm telling you right now, there's so many ways it could have gone if they made it out to the ring. Because yeah. it could have turned into a shoot fight with everybody, uh, which then you'd see Kevin Nash and Scott Hall fighting WCW guys, which would have definitely imploded that company for sure. Um, but I, I always wonder, would the crowd have just thought, Wow, they signed the entire DX, which would have then made fans turn in next week to see if DX was there again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you'd, you'd, you, or would it have opened the door to a super show with both of them? Because, I mean, I'll bet you in hindsight, they both wish they'd have done that. They were so much, so neck and neck. It's just like, it's, I, it never even crossed my mind until today. What if they would have made it in the building? It never, ever crossed. I just knew. There's no chance. My favorite part, if you remember this, is when they pulled up on the side of the building and WCW shut that door. The one that's always open when McMahon's limo comes in and all that. And then you got Road Dog knocking and saying, Yoo Yeah, dude, it's gold. Absolute gold. It, it, it is absolute gold. And Reflection Ice, <laughs> you got a little taste of what if from TW right now. He gave you three variations of a great what if that we might expound on on a future episode of the PWR podcast here at the PWSO networks on the YouTube. <clears throat> so again, I, we, with the comic, comical stuff that they do, there is something that can't play in 2020 deuce. So we have to at least acknowledge that TW when they had their wars with the rock, when they had their wars with D'Lo Brown, Mark Henry, the Godfather, and all that, the nation of domination, TW, what did DX do? It was funny at the time. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to make some people mad. Go ahead. ahead. But you got four white guys in blackface. X-Pac did it the worst. Triple H, I'm going to say this. Triple H was imitating The Rock. Don't get and he did a great imitation of The Rock. So I don't. So for all the woke liberals out there, I'm not mad at Triple H, but I will give you this on on X Pac, that motherfucker looked racist and really this you know and and again Mark Henry was young to the business. He was he was a greenhorn TW no matter what, but what he did to Mark Henry, he was in total blackface, a woke liberal because could say cancel X-Pac, and I'd be, I'd be like, all right, you got that one. Triple H, I give you a pass. Road Dog, I give you a pass because it was funny shit because he was just doing – he was gyrating all that stuff and acting like D'Lo Brown. When you're imitating the guys, but I think X-Pac really went way but you're, left. You're talking way. about how he made him look. That's different. Right. But 1,000% to my core. I will defend that this is not blackface. Blackface is a very, very specific thing. No, 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 no. It, but the look of X-Pac is blackface. No, absolutely. He, he, he well, would not do it, but the, he didn't do the lip thing that they did in blackface. And what blackface did was there was a white guy painting themselves as a black guy and making black people look like idiots. So in that regard... He made Mark Henry look like an idiot, but I don't think either one of us thinks he did it because he's a black guy. He did it to make Mark Henry look like an idiot, right? And mm -hmm. so if someone was offended by this, and no one was, 
And I wouldn't even think that the Na- – I think the nation were in the back cracking up, especially at Road Dog, right? Or Hunter well, being uh, – uh, uh, Well, let's just say this, T.W. Again, I, I'm not I'm not going to put words in their mouths. This is, uh-huh. the way, this is my hindsight. But I think, first of all, you still got white guys. They got to talk to the brothers. Right. You got to talk to the culture. Say, and I bet you they would have – 100%. They right. ran by them before they did. Yeah, There's you gotta no, run it by them first. Yeah, they, you know, are you okay? It's you probably Russo's idea. It's not theirs. They no, no, the, but they, again, it's yeah. it's everybody's got to collaborate and everybody's okay. got to say, are well, you comfortable with this? Hear me out. Go ahead. The world we live in now. Mm-hmm. D'Lo, Mark Henry, Ron Simmons, and and The Rock. I don't think if someone were to ask them if it bothered them, if they don't say yes, they're getting canceled. So it's a lose-lose for them. But what I was saying was, if you were offended by this in 1997, 8, whatever it was, yet you liked the movie Soul Man, then that didn't offend you. It's it's the same thing. It's acting. It's not someone dressing up for Halloween or, like I said, the actual art of blackface where it is to disparage people, right? It's not – they didn't have them in there because they wanted – we wanted diversity in the cast, but we couldn't hire no black people, so we just painted somebody black. It was purposely to make them look like subhuman people, right? So mm-hmm. when you see real blackface, you have every right in the world to get upset at that. And I mean everyone should get upset at that, not just black people, period. People should be upset with it. But, like To me, someone dressing up as the Klan for Halloween, even if it's to be it, – it's not fucking funny. It's dumb. It's fucking dangerous because let's say you are just a happy-go-lucky guy. Beat up. Watch this, and then someone fucking beats the shit out of you for your troubles, right? It's just tacky. You don't do it. But that skit, it was undeniable. The four of them were making fun of the four of them. Had nothing to do. Yeah, maybe they wouldn't do that now, but of course, we're, we're at the point now where they wouldn't even have to paint themselves up like that. I still, this is one of my favorite things ever, when Austin, I do it to you all the time, when Ron, it's dead serious, and Ron Simmons goes, let me ask you something, and Stone Cold goes, what do you want to ask me, are you going to chop down some trees? I laughed my ass off, because that's happened to me. Growing up, I said asked you, I didn't say ask you, I said ask, and people make fun of me, and I had no idea why they were making fun of me, because I'm like, I just asked somebody, and then when you grow up and you realize, Damn, I did used to say ask you a question, right? So when he did that, something like that today would get Stone Cold canceled. You can't, you can't win these days. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take it for what it was. Fucking hilarious. And I guarantee you the four people laughing the hardest in the back were D'Lo, Ron Simmons, Mark oh, yeah. Henry, and Pop I'm not saying that they, they should change it. I'm just saying from a different standpoint. The only standpoint right. that I look at it is X-Pac. I yeah. think it was very lazy. He, it was yeah. too blackface. Like he and was all, again, like, the he other had three. Nothing, he had nothing for Mark Henry, so right. he just went for stereotypes. Right. That, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. And again, it's not about. I'm saying for 2022 woke liberals. Right. X Pac probably is the only one out of the four to be canceled because everybody else was doing an impersonation of the character a character that specific, you saw on TV, a specific yeah. character which yeah. was funny. X-Pac was lazy. Right. I could blame X-Pac's laziness on one thing. Right. Of the, co- of the cocaina. 
But anyway, neither- and I'll bet you X-Pac was in the back going, why don't I get the boring guy? Why, you, why can't I get D-Lo? You know, why can't? So You're probably right. Yeah, you'd be like, why I got I got the short end of the stick. Got, but you no- knew that Triple H had to be The Rock. He's got no charisma. What am I supposed to imitate here? I right? just, you know, like lifting weights, you know, whatever. Right. But, but yeah, like, I, like, is I'm it not here to work? like say what? Is it on the network or is that is is that wiped off? I would be shocked that the peacock, the cock, would allow the nation of domination. Fucking let Benoit on there. Is he on? Well, wrestling is one thing. It's not a parody promo where you you know. <laughs> But you're going to find it on YouTube. So well, that, Yeah, you'll find it on YouTube, but I don't know if you're going to find it on the cock. So a, neither here nor there. So, again, uh, Reflection Ice, you know, we could talk about a lot of things. I, I'm going to kind of like abbreviate 99 because, again, it was kind of a weird thing, TW, where they kind of broke away from each other for different purposes, but we knew the reasoning. Triple H was going to become the heavyweight champion. So what did you have to do? You had to break away from DX. But the funny thing enough was, like, six months later, they brought the band back together to be the corporate DX. So I'm not going to talk about different – we can talk about the different iterations, but let's try to hyperbole it because it would be a five-hour show reflectionist, and right. I never want to bore the people. So the corporate DX, TW, you know, it served a purpose. But then let me ask you this kind of question here. 99 corporate DX, 2000 corporate DX, where you incorporate now – the McMahon Helmsley era. Stephanie McMahon is now you could call her a member of Degeneration X Office. for that. So Corey. let's say you about the corporate mixture of Degeneration X. It's not comical now. It's no. now they're sellouts, and you know they can be. You know you you can you know cheer for the New Age Outlaws. You know with the you know tag team champions of the world, even if they were the corporate DX, I still said tag right. team champions of the world, even if they didn't have the belts. But what's the ATW about the corporate DX? Did one of the reasons magic? I See, one thing I disagree with is why does he have to break away from DX to be the world champion? Unless you're trying to make him a babyface world champion, right? Or heel, because they were... But one of the things was... They well, he broke away to join the corporation. Let me just... I'm just trying to uh, give you the chronology. No, no, no. no I, I know all that, but I'm saying, like... The logic that he had to break away from DX. Ric Flair didn't break away from the Horsemen to be the world champion. Why couldn't mm-hmm. he? Why couldn't they be the reason he was the world champion? You know what I mean? Ric Flair okay. 2.0. Uh, okay. But but with the corporate one, one of the reasons I believe they did it was people would cheer them, and they they didn't want they wanted DX to be heels, but they were so funny and so likable in the era where cheered heels got cheered, not baby faces, right? So. They had to do something. It's the same thing. Like, we could second-guess The Rock and Austin flip-flopping his heels and faces. But you got to have one good guy and one bad guy, and they both took turns being it, right? But people didn't want to see Austin turn bad guy. And how did they do it? They had him join Vince and curb down the stuff he did. Now, mm-hmm. Angle's doing to him what he used to do to Vince, and now Angle's the baby face, right? So you got to do what you got to do in order to make the guy heal. So putting him in the corporation like that, there's no way you're getting cheered. No one was ever going to cheer right to censor. No one was ever going to cheer, you know. I mean, people might have cheered the oddities if they had a long enough run because at some point they're going to be silly and funny and you're going to end up liking them, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day, they had to do it. But it's not the best version of DX for sure. 
what I really don't like is, and I'm not sure if this was, I think this is when after they reunited, I, I get it. Billy Gunn was supposed to be the Shawn Michaels of the New Age Outlaws. And then you got nothing to do with Xbox. What do you do? I mean, not Xbox, Road Dog. Now you just force them to team with Xbox, which was always forced to me. I would rather Xbox be a light heavyweight champion, uh, Road Dog be the European champion, and Billy Gunn be the Intercontinental champion than forcing those other two guys to team. Because as long as they're all together, people don't want to see Rick and Tully. They want to see Arn and Tully, you know, as mm -hmm. a tag team. Nobody wanted to see Billy Gunn or Road Dog team with anyone other than Billy Gunn. Now, if it's a Survivor Series match with all four of them, that's one thing. But as far as chasing titles, it's just it's weird that they're together but not together. And then the feud ends up being X-Pac and, and Road Dog. Well, the, again, you're, you're answering the question of chemistry. And, of course, we know that certain people, it's yeah. magic. And yeah. you can't, you know, you can't break that magic away. And when they split, let me just try to say this. When they split, again, whether it's contracts or drugs or whatever the case may be, you know who was left, TW, but Shawn Michaels and Triple H. So from the period of 2002 to 2006, there was rumblings on Raw, supposedly. Well, I don't, I'm not going to say supposedly because sometimes you kind of had, like, Jim Ross kind of, like, egging you on, say, would they reunite? And then, of course, they tried to reunite, and, of course, Triple H put a kibosh on that, and then that started a feud between Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Well, you know, that's doing business for each other. That's sort of click-like, you know. The click always, you know, put you know puts themselves first before anybody else, and that made sense for the money and all that stuff. So we don't have to go there. So the real formate, or the real reunion happened in 2006. So basically, you had a five-year gap, even though they had the war. You know, even though Triple H and Shawn Michaels had the wars in the early 2000s. Tw, the the reunited DX was just Shawn Michaels and Triple H. And, of course, the last few, the last best few that you could say of DX was against two iterations, the McMahons, Vince and Shane McMahon, and, of course, the Spirit Squad. So let's just say, TW, the 2006 iteration of the reunited uh, DX, they're older, they're wiser. Of course, they can't do the same juvenile stuff because Shawn Michaels is a born-again Christian. So what did Triple H do? He kind of played the born-again Christian to the TV because whatever Shawn Michaels couldn't say, he, he didn't really say suck it in 2006. He let Triple H say it. He let the fans say it. But he didn't say it, if you really noticed that. Yeah. And, of course, those raunchy, a little bit of ruthless aggression, raunchiness reflectionites, Shawn Michaels was conveniently, his head turned to the side while Triple H was doing all the dirty shit. Awesome. What's, so what say you, TW, about this iteration of the of DX before we close it out, really? So, you know, they Shawn Michaels a born-again Christian, and Triple H is the man. Supposedly. They had another feud that elevated two guys to superstar status, rated RKO. Mm -hmm. I thought that's going to be one of the two, and then he went with Spirit Squad. I'm like, eh, well, Spirit Squad was really McMahon's goons, you know, right. that sent out there uh where was well the, where the reason i say that is because, wait, wait, hold, up, hold up hold up the reason i said that i mean radio rk yeah you're right i could even do big show and chris jericho but the reason i said the mcmahon's first is because of the promos they did they did an impersonation <laughs> of vince That's mcmahon they did the stand back music 
promo with uh, yep. Vince and Shane and, and all that stuff. That's why I, you know, I'm trying to bring the history within this spot. No, so go ahead. But the, the feud with the McMahons is what reunited them because they mm-hmm. both hated Shane. They were right. both after Shane, and they're like, ah. And then one night, I don't know what pay-per-view it was, they both did crotch chops, and then they went into the full-fledged reunion because they did leave breadcrumbs on commentary and stuff, and right. then Triple H was fighting somebody. I don't know if he it was, was actually uh, WrestleMania 22 that they both did the cross shots at their particular matches. Yep, and then they ended up forming DX again. But mm-hmm. um, but the feud with RKO it elevated both of them, and that was that was that after Evolution. Yeah, yeah, long after. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Evolution was probably before Sean came back, right? Evolution was 2003 2004. That's why I said they they teased, they teased the uh what you may call it the the reunion of of Degeneration X, but then you know Triple H did what he had to do against Shawn Michaels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was, it was, it was I enjoyed it because it's kind of like this another music analogy, right? You mm-hmm. get people, and I hate people to do this, so don't be one of them. You get people like Def Leppard has never gone away. 2022, Def Leppard has a new album. First album came out in 1977. That's quite a run, right? But they're they're historically putting out albums every four or five years because of tragedy. But throughout the 90s, 2000s, they, they've gotten better at putting out an album every couple of three years, right? So mm-hmm. you have people say, oh, I like old Def Leppard. And then I say, well, what don't you like about the new Def Leppard? And they're like, eh, yeah, you know. And I'm like, oh, basically you just didn't listen to it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Get the fuck out of here. So the reality is Def Leppard in 1977 does not sound like Def Leppard 45 years later, right, in 2020. But what they do sound like is the band that went from that first album to the second album, the second album to the third album, third to fourth, fifth. And by the time they get to the 20th album, it's a gradual change that's drastic only if you weren't there for the ride, right? Mm-hmm. So DX was awesome for you and I. Like, you did, you raised your hand. We were the right age for that sophomoric humor, right? Mm-hmm. And now in 2006, we're also the right age to, A, appreciate where they're not doing the sophomoric humor, but also appreciating the teasing of what they are doing towards it. Like you said, they did it perfectly because I remember – absolutely thinking how is sean gonna pull this off and they did it perfect he turned his back it, you're specifically referring to the barbecue where they're outside mm-hmm. barbecuing which was a play on the barbecue in the in the the crude, crude days where they're slapping them sausages around right yeah. they're almost re- sausage fest but uh but born again christian sean just didn't want to touch the sausage but anymore they, but 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 they they did it so and, and one of the things the guy said on the thing that I watched was, you know, so some of the older fans, it was a letdown. But to a lot of younger fans, this is their version of DX, and they love them, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like I tell people all the time, I love the movie Billy Madison. At 49 years old, I still love the movie Billy Madison, but I saw it when it came out in the 90s. If I saw Billy Madison at 49 for the first time, I would not like that movie at all, and I would not make it to the end of it. But because I watched it when that was my dumbass in the 90s, living that same life, now I look at it as a time capsule, and it still cracks me up. But if you saw Billy Madison for the first time in your 40s, you are not going to like it. It's just, it's just, it's nature. It's Murphy's Law. 
it's a if, timeless classic, but then you had to watch it at the right time. Right. I get you. I you get have to you. be the right age. Mm -hmm. The reason it's timeless is because new 20-year-olds discover it. No one's discovering that movie in their 40s and still watching it. it um, you know, you can't, you can't really talk to an 18-year-old and tell him to watch Porky's because I laugh and you'll laugh at, at it. Right. But right. an 18-year-old right now will look at it like, this is dumb. This because is, it's, it hasn't held up. Right. There's so, so you know, American Pie made it look PG. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So you, that's that's it. Billy Madison isn't crude. Billy Madison is silly. You right. know what I mean? So there's nothing you're going to see on there and go. Psh. I mean, American Pie. That even has been surpassed because the the thing of that was humping the pie and seeing Shannon, uh, whatever her last name is, seeing her boobs on the webcam. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, people see boobs anytime they want to go online now. Absolutely. Uh, and no kid today can relate to what you and I can relate to when our first porn was this. Mm -hmm. Oh, I saw a nipple. Yeah. I saw a nipple. That movie was our youth being told back to us. And we were the same age as them. When when American Pie came out, I was 23 years old. Those guys are supposedly 18, but they were all 23-year-olds too. A reflection as before we close, my porn was shh, but then you, get, you got to hear like a second uh, uh. <laughs> For like a second, a half a second, but neither here nor there. But you'd also, it would straighten out for one second, and you'd yeah, see that too. Or that, something. That was that was the, that was the best. You get the <laughs> one second nipple shot, but neither here nor there. But TW, <laughs> let me ask you this: I don't want to call it a, a what if type of question, but a scenario type of question. Follow me here, and then we'll yep. close out the spotlight. Let me ask you this: the 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 WrestleMania, WrestleMania twenty five, two thousand eight. Shawn Michaels, Undertaker. Well, let me just ask you this. The Undertaker effect with the DX, mm -hmm. with the WrestleMania matches, because it was, what, four straight WrestleManias. It was two with Shawn Michaels, two with Triple H. Three with Shawn Michaels. He was the referee for the last one with Triple H. Well, well give or take, but I'm just going in the ring. Yeah. Do you consider that a DX thing or just their own thing? What say you, TW, and then we'll their own thing. Pros and wrestling. I, I would actually, you know what? They, they they tied that up nicely with a bow when the three of them did that bow. They basically mm -hmm. did the click curtain call again on the stage on the top of the ramp at WrestleMania. It was a nod to the end of an era, right? Mm -hmm. And Triple H and 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 Undertaker went on. They wrestled more. Sean was done, um, but. I think it was more I, – I, that stuff was so well done. And, again, still not a Triple H guy at that point because I remember thinking if Triple H beats him – You know how many times you said you're still not a Triple H guy, but you're really praising Triple H in this, in this episode I, alone? Unlike you who claims to be objective, I, I am. am. Mm -hmm. So just like I will tell you, my Internet rival who would not even acknowledge my existence if you brought me up to him, but he knows who I am and so does his oh, – so does his wife. The new Richard Marks album, it's 20 songs. Not only did I expect to not like a few of them, I was hoping so I would have something to complain about. It is solid from start to finish, including a song on there. Maybe some of you 12 people are Trump haters that listen to us. It's called Shame on You. It's a song he wrote to, to talk about... Uh, president trump it's petty it's tacky but it's still air candy it's a great album i might not have to like the guy singing it 
but I can separate the art. Breaking news, GW. He already won a Grammy for that. (laughs) For the new album? No, for that song. The Petty song. Oh, right, right. He's won the Grammy, the Oscar, the Honor of the Year Award. Beautiful surprise, too. (laughs) Beautiful surprise. (laughs) So anyways, I was going to be so furious if Triple H won. And, 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 And that's the beauty of it. Because everyone thought for sure Sean's winning the second match. He didn't. Everyone thought for sure, well, Triple H is going to win. And, oh, he lost. Oh, Sean's the ref now? Triple H is definitely going to win it, and it's going to like Sean helped him. And Undertaker won all four, and all four were, I, I believe the Sean matches are better than the Triple H matches. I truly didn't like the Hell in the Cell one. I didn't like the finish of it. No, no, I, I'm not saying which match was better. I'm just saying no, no, is no, it a that. DX correlation or is it just their own thing? That's what I'm just I think it's their own thing. I think it's three stars of their generation overlapping generations, but they all three were on top together. I think it was a story of just respect. And I, and it was Triple H looking out for his buddy, not his stable mate. And it was mm-hmm. Undertaker looking out for his legacy. It wasn't personal. And they just did it so well. And I just think those four of the 22-0 and 0 or whatever, 21-0 and 0 that he was, those four are, are some huge matches. They're the, the creme de la creme that rises to the top and contrast to the Kamala and the Jake the Snake or Jimmy Snuka matches that he had that were throwaways, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Brock matches are good. The Roman matches are good. The Edge match is good. And I was actually hopeful that Edge would beat him because it would start a new streak. Like, that, you thought that's the national, the natural trend that you were going for. And having had that guy as a buddy for a couple of years, damn right I wanted that guy to win and end that streak. And for whatever reason, for 21 and 0, they kept that streak interesting. And wait, they, wait, with TW, we're not talking about the streak. I just no, wanted no, to keep it with these four. Listen to me. They okay. kept that streak interesting enough that there were people on both sides of it that wanted to see it end, but didn't want to see it end when DX was going against him. Right? Whether they were called DX or not, they're a big part. Triple H also. Sean and Triple H also wrestled him at different WrestleManias that weren't that four-in-a-row chapter, right, and lost. And so six or eight matches of The Undertaker's 21-0 and is against those two guys. That's pretty damn neck-and-neck neck for them being a part of that run, right? So mm-hmm. it's, it's – Well, it, five. It was, Shawn Michaels never fought uh, Undertaker until those WrestleManias that you're talking oh. about. It was Triple H who did it in 17. I thought he, I thought he lost to him at one, and he no. said, I've never beaten Shawn – Undertaker at WrestleMania because he's beaten him at SummerSlam, he's beaten him at Survivor or whatever Royal Rumble. He mm-hmm. never beat him at WrestleMania. So all right, right, that makes sense. But either way, that's still twenty percent of that twenty-one and zero is DX yeah. in some form. Right. With uh, that being said, Reflection Nights, we close on this pro wrestling spotlight. Wait, wait. I got what? one last thing. Go ahead. A little treat for Ray. Little treats for Don the Dragon and, and for Josh. This isn't an unboxing, but what this is is brand new, exclusive to Target. And if you're familiar with the figures, they have silver foil, they have blue foil for unrivaled and unmatched. And now you have unrivaled exclusives to Target that have red foil, and it's this guy right here. Sammy Guevara with that TNT title. That he's held three times, the, I believe. The three-time TNT champion, the Spanish God, the Spanish Sammy Guevara. 
I think you would consider him the TNT GOAT because he's had it three times. Or maybe it's Cody because he was first. Didn't Cody have it twice? Three. Oh, Cody had it three times? Mm-hmm. Then never mind. Cody's the GOAT. <laughs> well, that, that, so is, many that it? is that it, TW? That, that's it. Just it came okay. in the other and day. With that, and with that being said, we close officially on this pro wrestling spotlight of commemorating the 25th anniversary. We beat you to it, Vince. We beat you to it, Triple H. Uh-huh. I did it first, not y'all. I've celebrated the 25th anniversary of D-Generation X here on the PWR podcast here at the PWS Networks on the YouTubes. So, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here just like you did last week. You got it, sir. And you can find us on Podbean through Hameen Media Group at podbean.com. On Twitter, you can find us at PW Reflection. You can find uh, Big Ray, who, he, you know, it's funny. He always lets us know he listens because he always answers some of the things I say or ask or mm-hmm. responds to things I say in our group text. So, Ray, I appreciate everything you do. So does Professor. At Big Ray Hernandez is both titter, titter. <laughs> Twitter titter. and TikTok. Um, I'm telling you guys. Give this guy a follow, on, especially on TikTok. Twitter is a cesspool of humanity. I, it, follow him if you're on there, but if you're not on there, and Josh, I apologize to you for not getting back. I'm on Twitter the least of any social media platform because every time I go on there, some clown drags me into some political or, uh, you know, just, it's not fun. You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. Even when I win wars against Richard Marks and Daisy Fuentes, it's not fun. I want to interact and have fun with people. So, Big Ray at TikTok is, I mean, his morning coffee thoughts, his singing, and then I sent a video to you guys the other day, and you got you nailed it, Chabella Bella Cruz, when I said, who does this sound like? And it was the Stone Temple Pilots' hidden track on their second album, the second album, and it was 100% Ray's voice. It was glorious. Speaking of Twitter, at Tommy Wonder 19, Tommy Wonder, not Tommy, that's funny, Freudian slip, at Tommy, get it again, at Tommy Wonder 19 is both Instagram and my more political uh, Twitter, Snapchat is number wonder, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder, and then my other Twitter and my TikTok are at the Tommy Wonder, and then of course, Big Vito and Noel, you can find them at Big Vito Brand, uh, yeah, BigVitoBrand.Wixsite.com, Patreon.com. I'm sliding into your DMs. <laughs> Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. And uh, that's it. And then back to you, pal. All right. And my Twitter is PWSOPRF. That's PWSOPROF. And, of course, if this gets uploaded by 8-Track Brown, it will be on the PWSO Networks on the YouTubes. Follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine, Mr. Infinite Fringe himself, at ob when you know me and the king of the reactions, 8-Track Brown at 8 T-R-A-C Brown. That's 8-T-R-A-C Brown. And, of course, next week, we're going to go spotlight again. T-W's got a, a, more homework to do, but he's got to go international. He's got to go across the pond to Japan and know everything there is to know about Antonio Inoki. And with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Wonderful. Tommy One is saying goodnight, and we'll see you next time. Here at the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast. (laughs) Those didn't go hand in hand.
Yes.